things that I need to know. But anyway, uh, what a blessing. I just want to share a, a quick word with you tonight and get you out of here. So if you're trying to get to Meadow Lake or close enough that you can see the fireworks or maybe there's somewhere else that you're going, uh, I want you to be able to celebrate that. We talked about this, but uh, two or three weeks ago, I think I, well, I had JT minister last week and, and uh, JT was... Um, yeah, it was good last week. I, I was really blessed. His message was was awesome and and right on. And and sometimes it's good for me to have an opportunity to sit and be preached at as well. But um, as I was ministering um, uh, two weeks ago and three weeks ago, I was talking about the voice of faith. And I want us to turn to Mark eleven twenty two and twenty three or twenty two through twenty five. And, and I want us to look at these passages real quickly because I know most of you. Uh, some of you might not have heard these, that teaching, and, and some of you probably have forgotten. I just know how I am. I have to be refreshed sometimes. I need, I need to be encouraged by the Word. I need to hear it again. And, and something that I never get tired of hearing is, is where my faith comes from and how to stand in it. Because if there's one thing I know that in the world we live in today, we have to have faith to stand. Because we're, we're facing things that we never thought we would have faced, that never would have been, um, never would have, uh, we, we never would have seen. But in Mark 11, 22, Jesus uh, said to his disciples, have faith in God. Now his response, this is his response to them asking the question of, man, how did you curse the fig tree? How did you do all the things that you do? But he points them directly to God and he's, he's, he's establishing that they know where their faith comes from. Now we know from scripture, Romans uh, uh, 10 uh, or uh, there's a scripture that says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, uh, 10, Romans ten seventeen, and and that verse that it, it speaks into our lives that that we hear, uh, I believe that's right. Romans, gosh, is that right? Now I'm now I'm confused about that. I didn't look that scripture up before, uh, but I can tell you this: that our faith comes by hearing the word. Here's the thing: we're going to look at some examples in the scripture tonight of how when we hear God's word, how faith comes. When we hear what the word says, it's established in us. And he goes on and he tells him. He says in verse 23, "I tell you the truth that you can say to this mountain." may be, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it'll happen and have no doubt in your heart. You've got to say to the mountain, but you've got to believe. And, and you know, we can't just use this as a, as a way to just Romans 10. Romans 10, 17. Yes, okay, I was right. Romans 10, 17 was where that scripture was at. But that's what I said, wasn't it? As was, okay, all right. I was just making sure. Thank you for double-checking me. So that way we're confident. We weren't for a little while, but we can get confident again. But I tell you the truth, he says, you can say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, is the way the King James reads it. You can be lifted up and, and removed, but you can't doubt. You've you got to have the doubt removed. And listen, the doubt comes, and that's why Jesus talked about the doubt. But what removes the doubt? The, what removes doubt is going back to the Word, having it settled, having it known. I'm preaching a series um, at Carrier that talks a lot about this. It's very similar. In fact, my notes, I didn't even realize it, but I, I was comparing the notes, and I, I got on the wrong page of notes, and I was preaching a very similar thing uh, about faith and how we stand in it. But, you know, he tells us if, if we believe, really believe, well, how do we get it settled? How do we know to get to that point where, where we can believe it and not doubt? 
You know, we got to hear the Word, and then we got to continue to hear the Word. But there's something about us going to the Word of God and, and having the expectation that God is going to speak, and then building into our lives some, a, a way to live through our life that we're going to be obedient to what God's Word says. You know, it's, it, it's, it's a uh, somewhat developed habit of, if God said it, I believe it. You know, we're taught by the world in the, in the education system. It's not all bad, but we're taught to question everything. We're, we're taught, I mean, critical thinking and all those, th those ways of, 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 you know, just learning is to question things. And that's okay. That, that's, there's some good in that. Problem solving through that, finding out information, you know, discovery, and all that stuff is good. But when it comes to the Word of God, we're learning and discovering those things, but then we have to settle into the fact that it is, the, the Word is enough. And if God said it, I believe it. He goes on, he says, I tell you on verse 24, that you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you receive it, it'll be yours. Now, it's not just name it and claim it. It's not just deciding any old thing, but it's going to the Word of God and saying, okay, God, you've said it. I believe it. Now, what are we able to pray for? What's the anything? The anything is anything according to God's Word, anything He's spoken to us, anything He's, he's given to us as a promise. It can't just be any old thing. If it was, I'd have a new truck. Amen. And, a, and a, I'd have me a bass boat, or I'd have me a boat and a truck to pull it, you know, like the song says. I mean, if, it, if that's the way that worked. But how many other times, though, do we throw the whole process out because some have misused it? Or maybe we in our own life have tried this and failed, and so we throw it all away. We've got to look at the fact that Jesus is preaching. It's written in red. That means it's mine. So I, gotta, I want to access that. I want to know how to pray with that kind of power. Now, remember something. The mountain represents circumstances in our lives. So we got to consider the mountain for what it's worth, but then we consider the God that is with us up against that mountain or that challenge, and then we then everything our whole perspective begins to change. I love this because the faith comes from the Word of God, and as the voice of God speaks through His Word, we gain and grow in that understanding. We get a hold of that. You know, um, I want us to to look at. Um, uh, just in reference, I don't, I don't want to take the time to turn there. Uh, I'm going to try to get us out of here early tonight. But I want you to remember Matthew chapter 14, when Peter stepped out of the boat. Now just remembering that story, uh, I related it, or I taught it last, last uh, two weeks ago. But when, when Jesus sent his disciples across the Sea of Galilee in, in uh, Matthew chapter 14, and, and he told them something, he said, I want you to go to the other side. Now, he'd, he'd released them with a word. He'd sent them with a word, go to the other side. Now, the storm came up, and their, their circumstances got very difficult. The storm arose, the challenge came, and you could fit any old thing into this. Many different scenarios could be, and from our lives could be put in this place. But here, as they're, as they're traveling along, they forgot what Jesus said, and they were consumed by the reality of their problem. But then Jesus comes walking on the water, and He shows up, and they cried out to Him. And He spoke to them, and He said, It is I, be not afraid. He says, I am here. 
And that was the word that calmed the storm, even though the storm didn't calm yet. But on the inside of them, all of a sudden, their fear was driven out because the word that Jesus spoke superseded that. I know some of you are looking in your Bibles. Let's look over there at that, Matthew chapter 14. I, I want you to be able to see what verse I'm talking about. In verse 26, the disciples saw him walking on the water, and they were terrified. And they were, they were uh, in their fear, they cried out. It's a ghost. You know, sometimes we, we begin in a word of God, and that's what Jesus was teaching about over there in Mark 11, 23. He said, if you believe it, but don't doubt. Sometimes we believe. We set our faith to believe. And as we believe, then doubt comes, or fear comes, or questions come, all these things. And, and you know, whenever in their fear they cried out and they declared it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I'm here. I love the way the New Living Translation words that because it just doesn't just say, I am, be not afraid. It says, don't be afraid, I'm here. Because that's what they were feeling. That's what, that's what they understood. All of a sudden, they knew that Jesus was there in their situation. He wasn't in the boat with them yet, but he was in their situation. And he wasn't just present. He was speaking into it. He said, don't be afraid. He gave them the alternative to the thing that they were consumed with. It says, in their fear, they were, they were in their fear. You ever been in fear? I mean, not just afraid, but I mean, it's, it's all around you, completely in it. I remember several times in our, in our lives where I could say, man, I was in fear of that circumstance or that situation. But the word of God spoke, Jesus spoke. And then do you notice how Peter responded? He said, Lord, if it's you, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. He, he says, bid me come to you on the water in the King James, I believe. Tell me to speak to me, Lord. You know, he's willing, Peter is. And Jesus just said, yeah, come. He says, come on. Uh, you know, sometimes all we need to hear is one word from God and that'll change everything. I had a friend uh, relating a story to me the other day, and I, I love this. This young man is a, somebody I mentor and, and speak into his life, but I, I just loved how God spoke in his. And I won't tell the whole story, but, but he just said he was, he, was, he was praying over this situation that was kind of a little bit, had him a little bit anxious, a lot, a lot anxious, I might say. And all of a sudden, God spoke, and he said, Don't worry, take peace, I'm with you. He heard the Lord speak to him. He's out mowing the grass. And God speaks to him in that manner, in that way. And God spoke, and peace came to his situation. Now, here's the challenge to him, is that he will have another opportunity for doubt to come back in. Probably already crept in. Because I know how that is. When all of a sudden you feel like, okay, now I got it. God's with me. Jesus has spoken. The word of God's there. I'm praying. I got people praying. It's all good. And then all of a sudden the devil comes and says, oh, yeah, well, you know you can't do that. Or, oh, you remember this. Or, oh, that. Or, what if. So Peter went and he got down out of the boat. We know the story, most of us. But he stepped down out of the wall and walked on the water going to Jesus. But then his circumstances came back at him and they began to sink him. It said he began to sink there in the bottom of verse 30. 
It began to sink. Why? Because he saw the strong winds and the waves and everything in his head said, you can't do this. Everything in his mind, every, every bit of his experience didn't matter anymore that Jesus was walking on the water and Jesus had told him all of a sudden there was more faith in his experience and his senses than what Jesus said. He began to sink and he cried out, Lord, help me. And in, in verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith. Oh, ye of little faith, you might have the King James say. But now I love this, this last part. Not because I, 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 but the way he words it, why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt? But really what Jesus was saying in that, and in, that, in this translation, why did you doubt me? See, here's the thing. He took his eyes off Jesus. That allowed doubt to come in. Why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt my word is what he's saying. Why did you do that? I don't know about you, but I've done that before. I don't like it when I do that, but I've done that before. I've doubted the word of the Lord. Well, listen, what I've learned in my life is, is the more it is resolved in me, what God has said is true. And that he's spoken it to me. When I get to that place, that's where assurance comes. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the a substance or assurance is another word for that substance. It's the assurance it, it, it's faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. It's a, it's a knowing and a confidence of things that we don't see. But it's because it's based on who said it and our knowledge of Him and our knowing of Him and our trusting of Him. And if we can just bring ourselves back to that place that says, God, I'm trusting you. You know, even at times whenever it does, you don't see anything happening, anything working. Always remember, faith is like a seed. And, and think about a seed planted in the ground. How many of you ever planted something? You never planted anything, Boyd? You planted anything? Maybe you hadn't. Okay, there's an, I, I'm going to explain this situation to you then. <laughs> if you've planted something, you know that you've got to put it in the ground, or dirt, pot, a potted plant, whatever it is, and you've got to wait and what do you do with it? You water it, but you trust that it's going to do what God designed it to do. How do you know it's really happening? I don't know about you, if you've ever planted wheat, I've planted wheat, man, in about three days you're looking down the rows. You're waiting, and if you don't see it, what do you do? You go out there and start digging. You ever do that, Roy? You ever do that? Start digging. Start digging, you dig it. Now, you got a lot of it planted, so if you dig one up, it ain't a big deal, right? But if you just got one little, one little flower plant or corn plant or whatever, you go dig that up, you're, what do you lose? You're going to lose your, use your production. You got to let it die, the Bible says, and then it'll come. That law of progression out of Mark chapter 4, where it talks about first the blade, then the ear, and then the full corn in the ear. It's a process. See, here's the thing. We can allow something to steal the production of our faith, the seed that we've planted, or we just keep watering it. How do you water it? One of the ways you water it is with your words. You keep saying what God said. You keep speaking the word. And you know what you don't do? You know what's the, the things that dig up your seed of that faith that you've established is your negative talk that's opposite of what you've prayed. 
I always say this, you've got to keep your saying in line with your praying. You can't be praying one thing and saying something else. You're out there scratching around, digging it up. That's not watering it. So how do I keep speaking the Word? I, I, I don't have to deny what's there. That's not necessarily faith and faith's confession. But to continue to say what God's Word says is... So I'm going to keep saying, Lord, I've prayed this, and I'm going to keep saying that word that I've prayed. That's why it's so important to use Scripture to balance or, or to, to uh, perfect your prayers or, or to use that in your... Lord, I'm declaring. That's why I love that song, I shall not be moved. That's a declaration. I shall not be moved. Like a tree planted by the rivers of water, I shall not be moved. I needed to say that several times during that song because I missed chords and I wasn't going to be moved, and I started sweating. And I knew Rick is perfect and never makes a mistake. And I'm like, I'm letting him down. But you know what? We kept on. We kept on. We keep on. We keep on. We hang tight in our life. We walk that out. He says, why did you doubt me? Now, I want to, I want to go to something tonight. Uh, I want, notice, I, I, I put these points up, all these points in the past weeks. But the seventh point I, ne point I never got to, and, and, and this will be a standalone sermon for the most part anyway, but, but it is the voice of instruction and correction that Jesus heard. There were many voices that we went through in the past weeks in this teaching. But tonight I want you to see that, that there's a voice of instruction and correction that God brings to our life, and it's a good thing. You know, there's times we need, to, we need God to correct us. But, but God doesn't just bring correction without instruction of how to right the ship or how to fix the problem. I want us to look at uh, Judges chapter 6. And I'm not, going to take the, I'm not going to go through the entire story of Gideon, but in Judges chapter 6, I love this, this story, and it, it's, it's, it's long. There's a lot to it. It's a very neat story. It's, it's awesome to see how God is at work in the, in the lives. And I'm going to try to keep this condensed so that we can, uh, we can notice what God's doing here. But in, in the correction, in the verse, verse 1, we'll just begin there. The Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites had, had to hide... Uh, had made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever Israel planted their crops, marauders from, the Midia, from Midia, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes coming... Uh, coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts, and they arrived and they drove out camels to too numerous to count. And they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then Israel, Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the Lord uh, uh, because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to Israel, he said, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery, out of Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave their land, you their land. I told you I am the Lord your God that you must not worship other gods of the Amorites and whose land you now live. But you have not listened to me. 
Oh, man, that's a, that's a harsh correction. See, they cried out, God, help me. God, why am I here? And God comes with an, a, a prophet and declares why they're there. He said, here's why you're there, because you've disobeyed me. You've forgotten me. You've done the things that I said not to do. This is the thing that concerns me about America and where we're at today. We're doing a lot of the same things that the dummies of Israel did <laughs> to separate themselves from God. They rejected, they rejected God. I'm not here to proclaim judgment on us, but I am here to say that we need to right the ship. We need to correct, make, make the corrections. And we need to continue to believe and pray for the godly men and women to be set into places of leadership and the ones who are evil and contrary to, to uh, God's ways and the word of God be, be removed. But here he, he tells them, he says, then, then an angel, verse 11 says, Then an angel of the Lord came and sat down beneath a great tree in Oprah, Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abazar. Well, however you say that. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress, hiding the grain from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, You mighty hero, or the, the King James says, the, You mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. You know, there's something about this that, that's just funny that God... God or the angel of the Lord came to Gideon and he came to him as the weakest of the weak. He'll say that in here in a minute. He says, man, I'm the, I, I got, I'm the weakest clan and my family's the weakest and I'm the weakest of them. And, and I am at the bottom rung, God. What are you calling me a hero for? Why are you calling me a mighty man of valor? Gideon said, Lord, if, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? He begins to question the Lord. Then verse 14, then the Lord turned to him. So he brought these questions. He brought these doubts and fears. He brought all these things around. And then in verse 14, it says that he turned to him and he said, the angel of the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Now, here's the thing I want you to see, and, and not spending the time to read all these, all these verses, but I want you to see something, that when God showed up on the scene, God gave a word to them, to him. And it didn't look like there was any hope when he looked at himself, when he looked at his circumstance. He said, I'm the least of the least, and I'm hiding out in the bottom of the wine press, and you're calling me a hero, and you want me to deliver them. But yet God spoke. And notice the bottom of verse 14, he said, I'm sending you. That's the first thing he said, I'm sending you. You know, here's the thing. When God says he's sending you, you ought to take notice. But then doubt came in. He says, but Lord. See, that's what happens. God says, you can do it. And you say, but. <laughs> right? But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan's the weakest of the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Verse 16, the Lord said, well, shucks, I thought I had a hero here. I guess not. Maybe I need to go to another place. No, that wasn't what he said, right? He said, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. I love the way that's worded because it, 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 I, I got this this afternoon. Just th this word stood out to me. 
You got to realize something. God in that one statement, he first of all said, I'm sending you. So that makes a whole different qualification level. But then he said, I'll be with you. So that gave him a confidence. And, and you should hear that word. You ought to know that, that God's with you and he'll be with you. Especially when he sends you to do something. He'll be with you. But notice how he said, I'm going to level the playing field. He said, I'm going to, I will, you, he says, you, Gideon, you who are the least of the least, you who see yourself as small, you who have no strength that you think could do it, you will destroy them because I'm going to make it as if you're fighting one man. You see, I'm pretty sure uh, uh, Gideon would have been willing to take on one man. He would have been willing to take on a little thing, something he felt like he had a fighting chance. He had a, maybe he wasn't the best fighter, but at least he figured if he's one man, if it's one, not the whole army God, but God just said, I want to change your picture of this situation and I'm going to make it as if you're fighting against one man. Man, what a, what a picture. Gideon replied, if you're truly going to help me, show me a sign. You know, he begins to go through a process of testing the word from God. Not really testing God, but testing God, God's proof. He's, he's going through the process. Here's the thing I see in this. He's, he's going through the process of de determining that, yes, God is faithful, and yes, God is truly speaking this. It's okay to question and ask, you, and, and ask God to show you by multiple sources, sometimes especially when you're going through something big. It's all right for God to, to, to bring you that word and then confirm it. Especially in the beginning, when you first start trusting God or first begin in a process, maybe you need God, you need clarity. God, make it clear, make it known, make it absolute, make it where I have no doubt that what you're saying, that you're going to be with me. He went home and he, 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 he got a, provided a meal for him and, and, the, and, he, and he dealt with it. I mean, he, he uh, devoured it. Verse 23. Verse 22. When Gideon realized that it was an angel of the Lord, he, he cried out, O sovereign Lord, I am doomed. I have seen an angel face to face. It's all right, he said, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar in that place, and he named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. And in my commentary, what it, what it, part of what that means as, as being peace is it means that, um, it means that there's, there was God's divine presence there and God's divine favor. Within that peace was God's divine presence and his favor. What a powerful thing. Now here's the thing that I wanted you to see, and, and we'll probably wrap it up with this, is... Gideon began from that moment to obey the Lord. He, he set his faith to believe, but he, and, he, and he took the time to make sure that God was speaking, and that it was God, God was going to be with him, that he wasn't just running out here on his own, but he was with, unified with God and, and had God's word. And he began to obey. He began to obey, and one other time he questioned God, or, or he did the fleece thing. You've probably heard of that, where he laid out the fleece to confirm. 
But what I found interesting as I read the rest of this, a lot of this chapter and a lot of this account as, as, he, as he went on out and, and literally defeated that army, took his, took his, his, his army from 32,000 to 300 and God wiped out the, his enemies with just 300. Gideon quit, quit questioning God. He just began to obey. God said it, he did it. God said it, he did it. God said it, he did it. But he got to a point first, or he had to get past the point first of making sure he was right with God and God was right with him. And that God was speaking, God was leading. Once he knew what God said, and he began to obey, and he began to move and do things that God said to do, I want you to, I want you to look at verse four, 34 of Judges chapter 6. It says, Then the Spirit of the Lord took possession of him, came upon him, in other words. All of a sudden, from that moment on, he quit being the man who had to, had to cause, uh, ask questions. He quit being the man who saw himself as the least of the least. All of a sudden, now the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he began to walk out and do what God called him to do. You know, I don't know how that speaks to you and, and what level you, you match that with your life. But you can go down through the rest of the, the, of the of chapter 7. You can read chapter 7. You can read some of those other, other chapters. And I, I just circled in there where it says, The Lord said, and the Lord said, and the Lord said. The Lord was speaking. He never left him. He continued to speak. And I just challenge you to, to listen to the voice of God, the voice of faith speaking into your heart and life. You know, you probably all got things that you need to, need to pray over, speak over, your, things of concern, and, and listen to what the Word of God says. Learn to obey it. Make it your lifestyle that, that I'm going to speak, or I'm going to follow the voice of the Lord. And I'm going to speak in line, I'm going to speak prayers that line up with that Word. And then I'm going to continue to, to guard the way that I voice my faith in that prayer. I'm going to keep that established. We know as we get ready to close tonight, I just want to take a few moments just to, just to pray and, and just to give you an opportunity to settle in your heart. Maybe some things that God's speaking to you, leading you, directing you in. Maybe some things that you've got questions about it, or maybe doubts or fears or concerns. And maybe you need to see God as that God who is Yahweh Shalom, which means the God of peace. And I, I just pray that you'd have that tonight. Let's, let's go before the Lord. Father, we just come before you. And Lord, we just ask you to, to just give us that peace and, and that passes understanding, that to know that you're with us. The Lord, for those of us who've made you Lord, if we've declared Jesus, you're, our, you're my Lord, that we know that you're with us. We know that you're, you're directing our life. And so, Lord, I pray that there'd be a peace and a calm, even in the midst of the storm. I thank you, Lord God, that Jesus didn't calm the storm immediately, but he was right there in the midst of it speaking. So, Lord, help us to hear the voice of God speaking. And, Lord, as you speak, that we'll see what you see. I pray, Father God, sometimes in this nation, the things going on, sometimes in our families, the things going on, sometimes the things in our life, maybe our body, maybe our mind. The Lord, things are going on. Father, they can become overwhelming. And I pray tonight that the, the God of peace that passes all understanding would flood the hearts and minds and, and give us the opportunity to force 
fear and doubt out of our life and to take hold of the Word of God. Father, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice who's never received Jesus as Lord, I pray that tonight they'd make that decision, that choice, to say yes to you. I believe everybody in this place is saved, but maybe somebody watching online, maybe somebody will hear this even, even months or years later. The Lord, they'll call upon the name of the Lord, and they'll say, Father, forgive me. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart and my life. Make me the man or the woman that I need to be. And I thank you, Father, for giving me confidence and a peace to know that I'm a child of God. God, I pray that if anybody prays that prayer, comes to know you tonight, that, Lord God, they'll make contact with us. Let us know so that we can help you on down the road of walking with the Lord. Now, Father, we just praise you. We thank you. We ask you, Lord God, to continue to bless this nation. Watch over us. Keep us. God, we, we stand in the midst of all the madness on the word of God that declares that we're one nation under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all. We give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen.